Our God and Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God, that you have not left us in the dark, but you have spoken to us in your word. And we pray now that by your spirit you might soften us, um, open the eyes of our hearts, that we might not only understand what you have written here for us, but uh, that we might put it into practice, that it might sink deeply in us, and that you might continue your transforming work in us little by little every day so that we might be changed into the image of Jesus. And we pray that for your glory in his name. Amen. Uh, Tom's going to read from his seat, so that's where the voice is coming from. But thanks, mate. Let's, uh, let's hear from Isaiah 30. The reading today is Isaiah 30, verses 15 through to 19. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one, and the threat of five you will all flee away, till you are left like a flagstone on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Let's uh, cast our minds back to Isaiah 30. Uh, Last week we thought about change. We thought about change and transformation and how we saw that in the book of Isaiah. This week we're thinking about rest, rest, Uh, contentment, uh, security, peace. Uh, And if there's one Peanuts character who knows about rest, it's the classic dog, Snoopy, right? He's usually found napping in his doghouse, but even he has his interrupted moments. You can see there on the screen, there's Snoopy sleeping, and suddenly he wakes up. There I was, resting comfortably, and suddenly I was plagued by a self-doubt. Uh, uh, even Snoopy gets his rest uh, interrupted sometimes. I, I wonder if that resonates with you, perhaps. Not so much talking about physical rest, although there's maybe some connections there, but talking about a, a, a deeper kind of rest, a deeper kind of rest. It's the kind of rest that's not really to do with how busy you are, right? You can have a clear schedule but a busy heart. Uh, And the other way around, you can have a full calendar but a quiet heart. I reckon this is just a massive issue for us in our society, right? Um, we're, We're in a time when we've got more wealth, more education, more technology, more connectedness, more opportunities than ever before in human history. Uh, And could you say that our society is characterized by security and peace and rest? Probably not, right? You, You couldn't say that. And I reckon you probably know something of that in your own heart too. I certainly do. Uh, This is a complex thing, right? It's a complex thing to talk about, to think through. Uh, We're not going to get to all the factors that are at play here, but today's passage speaks into this in a really powerful and a profound way for us. Um, The gospel of Jesus Christ holds out an incredible hope. 
and a transforming gift for our restless hearts. Uh, So that's what we want to reflect on and receive into our hearts today. Um, if you remember the context of what, what's going on in Isaiah, God had promised his Old Testament people rest in the land that they, he had led them into. He would promised them rest in the land he gave them. And yet Isaiah is looking out at the people in this land and there is no rest, there's no peace. Uh, if you remember, they're facing this great threat from... Uh, we've seen that in the last few weeks, this menacing superpower of Assyria... Uh, it's already taken out the northern kingdom of Israel um, and Judah in the south know that their head's on the chopping block. They're next. So you can understand why, why they don't feel particularly restful in this, uh, with, in this sort of situation, right? What's really interesting, though, is that even in that circumstance, even with all that going on, with this huge threat hanging over them, Isaiah, Isaiah still thinks this kind of deeper heart rest is possible for them is possible with god and in fact that kind of rest is their only hope that's what you get what we heard at the start of the reading in verse 15 of chapter 30 this is what the sovereign lord the holy one of israel says in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength so what, I, what Isaiah does uh, is he, po- he points the people he's originally he's, he's talking to, he's saying this to the people, it's written down for us, he points us uh, to the true and ultimate source of rest. Uh, down in verse 18, uh, Isaiah writes this, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up and show you compassion, for the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. See, the reality that lies underneath everything for Isaiah, the rock that he calls Judah back to is the compassion and justice and grace of God. Do you notice as we read through how long how God longs to be gracious? In verse 19 there, he says, as, as soon as you call for help, he's there. He's waiting on the other end of the phone, ready, waiting for you to call. As soon as you call, he's there and he'll answer you. Uh, what Isaiah goes on to do throughout the rest of this chapter is he paints a picture of what it would look like for God to do that, to come and help his people, and to give them this rest. As you read on, you find out he's going to, he's going to establish this community of wisdom where uh, in verse 20 it says, your teachers will be hidden no more. Uh, they're not going to be stumbling around blindly in life, but in verse 21 they're going to have this clear and true guidance. They'll hear, this is the way, walk in it. Now, verse 22, as you keep reading, it's going to be this community where they destroy their idols, the, these things that they've created that these created things they worship instead of god and and you keep reading and you find out even the land's going to be transformed in in verse 23 the the food that comes from the land is going to be rich and plentiful it's this picture of abundance and peace and prosperity uh, and as i he's, he's reaching for these evocative images to describe this rest that god's going to bring this indescribable future down in verse 26 
he uses this really amazing imagery, right? Verse 26, the moon will shine like the sun and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. So there's this image of rest and peace and healing and along with that, as you keep reading through this chapter, uh, uh, Isaiah shows the way in which God's going to, he's going to remove that threat of Assyria. That's what the rest of the chapter focuses on. I, he, he, we won't go into the details there, but he, he pictures God's people rejoicing as God uh, goes, uh, um, wins a great victory for them. He delivers them from the brutal oppression of the Assyrians. Down in verse 31, Uh, He puts it like this. The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod, he'll strike them down. So there's lots in here. I've just really skated over this, um, this image that Isaiah paints for us. But at its heart, Isaiah is proclaiming this good news to the people of Judah that he's talking to. Uh, There is a true and constant and never-failing source of protection and rest and peace, even with Assyria looming over you. Uh, It is the longing, powerful, compassionate grace of the one true and living God. Well, so far so good, right? So far so good. Uh, God calls his people through Isaiah, his prophet, to turn back to him, to entrust themselves to him, to rest in him, and to see the wonderful things he'll do. But, of course, there's more to the story than that. If you flick back to verse 15, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. But you would have none of it. Uh, the people of Judah, ref- re- they refuse to live in the salvation and strength that the Lord offered them. They would have none of it. Uh, Isaiah shows us how they've done that and we'll reflect on a little bit on that now he, he shows some of the I've called them the enemies of the rest God provides things that work against it and you get a hint of this in verse 16 you keep reading through this passage you would have none of it you said no we will flee on horses therefore you will flee you said we will ride off on swift horses therefore your pursuers will be swift uh, see what's going on there uh, Their response to this threat that's looming over them wasn't to flee to God in trust. It was to flee away in fear. And who were they fleeing to? Well, Isaiah makes that clear at the start of the chapter. I know um, a number of our home groups have read through this. Right at the start in verse 1, Isaiah writes, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. To those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. See, faced with these great threats, they turn to the other great international power of the time. Uh, the nation of Egypt. And on one level, that totally makes sense, right? (laughs) It it kind of makes a lot of sense for them to do this. Um, You can imagine Judah's Defence Department advisors, you know, having a meeting and going to the King Hezekiah 
and saying, look, we're just not strong enough to defeat Sennacherib on our own. Um, but there is a chance if we team up with Egypt, if we get them on our side, it, there's, it kind of makes a bit of sense it, according to the wisdom of the wise. Um, but it is foolishness to God. They're going down to Egypt. It's actually a, it's an enemy of the rest God provides. And the reason is that because Isaiah's been saying this over and over again, this threat from Assyria, it's not just a random event. It's just not, not just another international event on the world scene. Uh, God is behind it. It is the outworking of his right and just judgment on his people because they have time and time again turned away from him, forsaken him, abandoned their covenant with him, and bowed down to the nations, the idols of the nations. So you get the picture. Judah, they're making their plans. They've formed this alliance with Egypt, which made total sense from a human perspective, but not from the perspective of the Holy Spirit of God. God's plans for them, they weren't for them to go to Egypt and frantically try to form an alliance and defeat Assyria. God could do that in a heartbeat. All he needs to do, uh, is, is, as we read earlier, all he needs to do is raise his voice and Assyria is shattered. The one thing the people needed was to repent, to humbly recognize that it was their sin that put them in this crisis and to turn back to God for forgiveness and renewal and salvation. And we've seen this before in Isaiah. When you're faced with the judgment of God, the only safe place to turn is God himself, who longs to be gracious and show you compassion. But instead of that, Isaiah says, they heap sin upon sin, they continue in pride and self-reliance. And God says that road has no future. The wisdom of the wise will perish. If we keep reading in chapter 30 from verse 3, uh, Isaiah writes, But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in Zoan and their envoys have arrived in Hanez, this is the, you picture the, the Israel, Israelite, the Judah officials going down to Egypt. They, they, it's all happening Though, though that the alliances are being formed, verse 5, everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. Um, it's not going to work, in other words, this alliance with Egypt. And as you keep reading these chapters, we're going to flick over to chapter 31. You see Isaiah kind of summarizes this situation at the start of chapter 31. Uh, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. So, uh, Judah is looking for this, for rest, right? For peace. Um, and they're pinning all their hopes on Egypt. But it's not, it's not going to give them rest. It's actually going to do the opposite. It's not going to do what they want it to. 
Um, so that's sort of the first, this enemy of the rest God provides, going down to, to Egypt. But there's another thing that Isaiah highlights here, and it can't, it's all connected. It has to do with how they respond to God's word, how they respond to God's words. Um, see, it wasn't as if any of this was actually a surprise for God's people. Uh, God had clearly spoken to them right back at the founding of their nation. Uh, it was clear that if they chose to reject the Lord, that all of these things would come upon them. Um, if they chose to turn to idols, they would end up being defeated and scattered. You can read about it in the book of Deuteronomy. If you're taking notes, you want to look that up later, Deuteronomy 28 and 29. The amazing thing has been how patient God has been with them over and over again, generation after generation, calling them back to himself, sending his prophets, prophets like Isaiah, to speak his word to them. But here's God's summary of how they have responded to his word in verse 9 of chapter 30. For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right, tell us pleasant things, prophesy illusions, leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. They don't want to be confronted by God and his word. They think rest is found in ignoring that. But just like going down to Egypt, it's not going to give them rest. Um, ignoring God's word won't do that. It, I think this is really interesting, right? I think we see versions of this all the time. Uh, you probably heard it said, um, that things along the lines of, just believe whatever makes you happy, right? That's a pretty common thing to hear said. Just believe whatever makes you happy. God says, don't settle for the shallow and fleeting imitation of happiness that comes from believing a delusion. Come to the strong and lasting and true rest that I long to give you. The rest that comes through building your life on the rock of my truth. Uh, we say things like, just surround yourself with positivity, right? The Holy One of Israel says, Submit yourself to my word, even the bits that confront you, even the bits that expose you. And you get the way in which he says that, right? He doesn't say that as some kind of tyrant. He doesn't say that as some kind of overlord who's kind of keen to, um, to um, take advantage of you. Now he says that as the holy and loving father who is calling his children back to true rest. Hey friends, you, you have to go all in with God. Um, Isaiah is warning us here not to stand over him and his word. No, we can kind of enjoy the warmth of its light, but refuse to let it expose us. Um, happy to hear about his grace, but shaking your head disapprovingly at his judgment. I, I, I think many people are like this. In churches, perhaps you too, when you're honest, can see this in yourself. You're holding back on God, wanting to take bits and pieces from him that you think will make you happy, 
treating him more like a product, actually, than worshipping him as the Lord of heaven and earth. Isaiah uses this really powerful image to show how dangerous that attitude is. Um, It's appealing. It's appealing because it can sort of, um, it can shield you from, in a temporary way, it can give you a temporary sense of peace, but it doesn't give true rest. Verse 12, therefore this is what the Holy One of Israel says, because you've rejected this message, because you've relied on oppression, depended on deceits, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. So there we go. Uh, there's the high wall. It's about to collapse. And this, ref- this refusal to hear God's truth and instead to turn to the lie that they're depending on, Isaiah says to Judah, won't give them, it's not going to give them stability and it'll only fall, actually, at the end of the day. It'll just, it'll fall in a destructive crash. It might give you a temporary happiness, but not real rest. And so, friends, we've, uh, we've come back to where we started. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance and rest go together. Confrontation and comfort go together. The true deep gospel comfort that God holds out to us comes through repentance, uh, through recognizing you're going the wrong way with God and turning back to him for help. And it's in the full light of the gospel of Jesus that we see just how deep this goes. Um. As, as, we get, as we keep reading Isaiah, we're going to see the way in which Judah was in fact saved by, from Assyria um, by the Lord. And we get a glimpse of that in chapter 31, verse 8. Uh, Isaiah says, Assyria will fall by no human sword. A sword not of mortals will devour them. And that's exactly what happens. Um, the, the moment King Hezekiah, Judah's king, turns to God and gives up his pursuit of Egypt... The moment he does that, God was there in his saving power, and we'll get to that later in Isaiah. But that great victory was just a token. It was a sign pointing towards the ultimate victory that God would win in Jesus. You see, at the cross and in his resurrection, the great threatening tyrants of sin and death and all the spiritual forces of darkness the true enemies, the ultimate enemies of God and his people, they all fell by no human sword, but by the mighty power and grace of God in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus can call out to you and to all who would hear, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. So, friends, uh, for, for us, as we kind of read this, this side of Jesus, as we read Isaiah 30, uh, these chapters are a real invitation and a call, 
a wonderful call and invitation because we too are faced with enemies, right? We are faced with the great enemy of our sin. We're faced with the last enemy of death. And when you're faced with these enemies that threaten to overwhelm you, there will be a million Egypts that you will be tempted to run to. Uh, It could be anything, actually. Uh, All the things that we're tempted to turn to as our saviors. We can turn outward to social or political saviors. We can turn to other people, family, friends, colleagues, teachers for validation and security. We can turn inward to our own desires. We can turn to distractions, filling our hearts with pleasant illusions. But wherever we turn for ultimate security and peace and rest, if it's not the God and Father of Jesus Christ, we'll be like that cracked wall about to crumble, about to topple. Um, So as we kind of wrap things up, friends, fix your heart... Fix in your heart that by his grace and in the strength he provides, you you will turn away from Egypt. You won't be hard to his word. You'll repent of seeking salvation in created things rather than in the creator. I wonder what you hear of, when you, what you think of when you hear the word repent or repentance. Maybe um, a, a crazed looking man on the sidewalk with a Sandwich board, maybe a cold, harsh, fire-breathing, fire-and-brimstone preacher, maybe a kind of morbid focus on sin, a sour introspection that leaves you maybe holy but humorless. <laughs> well, what a difference it makes, doesn't it, in this passage, to see repentance as Isaiah sees it here. Repentance and rest go together. To repent is to return to the true source of rest and peace and grace and strength. Your sin doesn't give you rest. It promises much, but it it only delivers the opposite. So when we repent, we turn from those false saviors to the true saviour, who in Christ has risen up to show you compassion, to demonstrate his perfect justice and perfect mercy, who as soon as he hears your cry for help, will answer you. And blessed are all who wait for him.